0: So this morning we begin our first full day of practice and silence, Um, and it's deeply important to approach this first day with a great deal of care. I know many of you step out of very full lives which seem to follow you onto the cushion and onto the walking path, and that is of course something quite natural that would happen. It's about making choices about what we do with our attention, the quality of our attention. It's, it's about having the patience to actually keep returning to this present moment recollection. Uh, it's about having the perseverance, the dedication, the commitment to sustain as much as we're able to our capacity for a present moment awareness, to be here in this integrated body-mind-present-moment experience. Um, I want to talk a little bit this morning about how we're going to develop the practice over these days, um, how we're going to actually direct our attention. There's two discourses from the early Buddhist teachings which have most profoundly shaped, in one way or another, all forms of what we call insight meditation. Um, and the, one of those discourses is the teachings on the Satipatthana, the ways of establishing mindfulness. And the other really significant discourse, of course, is, is the one on the teaching on metta, or boundless friendliness, boundless kindness. Now, these two discourses are very deeply interwoven in how we develop the practice here we're not here to develop a cold stare of attention. We're here actually to learn to attend to what is present, but with an attitude of befriending, an attitude of care. And I think if we take away that attitude, we probably don't have mindfulness, we probably have attention regulation. So this discourse on the Satipatthana, the Buddha very clearly pointed out, whether standing, sitting, walking, or lying down, to establish mindfulness, that this is the most noble way of living in this world. He's speaking to a quality of wakefulness, a quality of connectedness, a quality of integration, in which nothing is left out. Sitting, standing, walking, lying down, whether coming or going, whether reaching or placing. So it's not about just what we do on in here on a cushion or what we do on our walking path. It is really about how we move through our day that nothing is considered unworthy of that mindfulness and that care. So, you know, the word practice is sometimes, I think, a little bit misleading because when we think of practice, we we tend to think of these more formal postures. But, of course, what the Buddha was really pointing to was, you know, not about just having good meditators, but having women, people who are awake, who are awake in the midst of all things, so this is, I think, something to commit to. You know, bells, signal starts and endings of walking and sittings. But please don't think of bells as signaling the startings and endings of awareness. This would not be helpful. Okay. So learning to establish this quality of sati. The word in Pali, the recorded language of the early discourse, is sati which we usually translate somewhat inadequately as mindfulness, a, a word the early translators borrowed from the Gospels because they couldn't find a good word for sati. So we ended up with mindfulness, which as we know in our culture and society today is used so much that it's become almost clichéd. Uh, or even a command structure, you know, just be mindful. Everything will be all right. You know? um, So I want to actually present to you this morning a few of the images that I used in the early teachings to describe this word sati, or mindfulness, as we we translate it. Because it really gives you a sense, these images give you a sense of the very nuanced nature of what we're trying to develop here. One of the images that is used in the early teachings is of a, a person standing on a watchtower or an elevated platform, and they have a kind of spacious overview without seizing upon any particulars of the landscape around them. It really points to this sense of inclusiveness, of a non preferential <coughs> attentiveness. Another of the images that is used is the image of the gatekeeper, that the the wise gatekeeper stands at the gates of the city, warmly welcoming into the city all the visitors who intend to serve the city and its inhabitants well, and politely declining entry to those who don't serve the well-being of the city and its inhabitants And in many ways, we are really learning to be our own gatekeepers in this practice. It's not about good and bad and right and wrong. It's actually bringing in this discernment quality of what is really helpful, what serves well, and what really is unhelpful. And you look at the contents of your mind in any given moment. It's probably quite a bit there that's just not helpful. You know, the the habit patterns, you know, the habit patterns of, of fantasy, the habit patterns of judgment, the habit patterns of disconnection, you know, the habit patterns of rumination. You know, we've been round those cycles a lot, and they come to visit, you know. It's not that they don't come to visit, but there's a discerning quality here. Of, Does this lead to distress or the end of distress, you know? Does this lead towards understanding or away from understanding? Does this lead towards freedom, or away from freedom? And here the gatekeeper says, "Ah! Instead of jumping into those, uh, entertaining those visitors fully, you know, perhaps actually it might be more helpful to actually establish mindfulness once more in the body, in the body breathing. It's a question of fasting here. One of the images that's very used very frequently is the image of." a surgeon who's been asked to treat a wound. Someone's been shot by an arrow. The surgeon doesn't go in with a saw and cut off the arm. The surgeon actually carefully probes the wound to ascertain its nature, to be able to make a diagnosis, to be able to prescribe a course of treatment in order to make a prognosis. This is kind of the investigative nature of sati. We actually would like to know what's going on. That's the wisdom question, you know. What is actually going on here? The compassion question is, what does this need? Another of the images, that you get a lot of cowherding images in the discourses. So, you know, we do a lot of cowherding in this practice mm-hmm. you know. We're gathering our cows, you know. We're gathering our cows from the fields where they're not really thriving, you know, the worn-out pastures where the cows are just munching away, you know, without being nourished at all. And we're gathering our cows and we're moving our cows into fields that are more nourishing, this present-moment recollection. So we're doing a lot of cow herding. Mm -hmm. Be there, be there, bear that in mind. Another of the images that is used is of a person walking through a crowded marketplace and on her head she's carrying a full bowl of oil and behind her follows a person with a sword who's going to chop off her head if she drops, spills a single drop of the oil. It's quite a stark image. Um, <laughs> but it, it describes this quality of vigilance, heedfulness, you know, we're not being forgetful, you know? We're not being forgetful. You know, as the Buddha says a, a person who is heedless is far from freedom. You know? A person established in mindfulness is close to freedom. Um, we, one of the images that is used is of a, a strong post hammered into the ground, and tied to the post are six wild animals struggling to escape. And the six wild animals, of course, are our six sense doors, the five familiar <coughs> sense doors and the sense door of the mind. They just keep wanting to run off in every direction, you know. And mindfulness is the post in the ground. We're learning to actually restrain those habit patterns of abandonment. We're learning to restrain the habit patterns of prowling the world, looking to be you know, entertained and stimulated, and and delighted. Sometimes the image of mindfulness is of a a mother caring for her child, who knows how to cradle an alien child with with tenderness, without without exa- without fleeing into anxiety, but bringing that sense of of compassion. Um. There's a lot more, but that's probably enough. So we're talking—we're talking about developing this capacity, not just to look at things, not just to watch things, but to care for the present moment, to discern what is helpful, to investigate. Now, in the early days of a retreat, there's two aspects of sati that are probably going to really really be your focus. I would suggest this is probably the first 10, 20 years of your practice, quite frankly. One of of them is the capacity to establish this simple knowing of what is actually going on here. And the other is this protective awareness of being a gatekeeper. Because without those two in place, we try to investigate and we're, we're just off in rumination again. So how do we do this? Uh, the, the instructions in, uh, invite us in the Satipatthana to establish mindfulness first in this body. Ah. There's a lot of times we're not in this body. To establish this present moment recollection in this body just as it is. As we walk, as we sit, as we stand, as we move, as we lie down, this, quali- this sense of integrating, unifying, body, mind, present moment. This is a great, one of the great skills of this practice, this unification, this groundedness, this present moment recollection. I think we probably would acknowledge how, easily it, how easy it is to be forgetful in this life, you know, The body's going through the motions, the mind is somewhere else. I mean the, the amazing thing about meditative practice, you know, you can sit here looking like a Buddha in you know, and your mind is just all over off with the fairies somewhere, you know. But it looks good. Mm-hmm. We can we can be so good at, you know, walking up and down our walking path, you know, doing this thing. Hey, we're not there. You know, the body's just going through the motions. So easy to be forgetful, the pull of habit patterns I think is so strong. So we establish mindfulness first in the body. When we sit, we know we're sitting. When we walk, we know we're walking. When we get up, we know we're getting up. When we move, we know we're moving. Establishing the body is such an ally in this practice. We don't have to try to have one. We may not have the body that we particularly want, but it's the one we've got. It's such an ally in this practice as a place we can return to that we inhabit the body wholeheartedly. The initial instructions in the Satipatthana to go on, you know that first we take our seat or we take our walking posture, and we know this. We establish wakefulness, we establish uprightness. We establish a sense of groundedness. So the posture here is actually quite important. It's not that there's a right posture or a wrong posture. But in the body, as we sit, we embody intentions, an embodied intentionality to be here, to embody wakefulness, to embody balance. And then the discourse goes on with the invitation... Breathing in, calming the formations. Breathing out, calming the formations. It's a, it's a funny word, but it means you, we're breathing in, calming, stilling all that is agitated. We're breathing in, calming, stilling the momentum or the, the push of habit patterns that say be elsewhere. So we establish a posture, we know the body, and we know the body breathing. Again, this is not something we have to try to have. The body breathes, if we're fortunate, the body breathes. We're not in charge, we're not in control, the body breathes itself. And we're learning to align our attentiveness, to align our mindfulness with that process which is a moment-to-moment process. Just as we don't step into the same river twice, the breath is not the same twice. And it takes a lot of mindfulness to know that, to know that. And there's many, many moments we do that, we have that intention, and of course our mind is doing its perverse thing of being more interested in something else we learn actually to come back to the body breathing. And we're always coming back from somewhere and realizing this is how we are training the heart, training the heart to be a friend. Because we're coming back from those patterns of repetition, of habit that we've traveled many, many times before. So this is actually a training and unbinding, training and unbinding from those habit patterns. We come back. This next moment of the body breathing with an attitude of curiosity, an attitude of kindness, an attitude of care. But this is the kindergarten and the graduate school of this practice. How we are here in this body, in this body breathing as we sit, calming, stilling the agitations. This is a verb, it's not a state. We're calming, stilling the agitations. This is where we begin our practice. We will, as we develop the practice over the days, we never leave the body behind. This is not some sort of, you know, preliminary practice and then we get on to more exciting things. We never leave the body behind. So let's begin to sit and taking care with how you're sitting, taking care. With your posture, particularly with the position of your back and your neck, that felt sense of uprightness, that felt sense of wakefulness, letting your shoulders soften, your hands and face soften. Feeling the body touching the ground, the chair, the cushion, the aliveness in those places of contact, the fluidity of sensations, the process of the body felt sense of the body's stillness calm aliveness of the body's stillness knowing the aliveness of the mind with all its thoughts its images its ideas Humming that movement, allowing that, those processes simply to sit in the background of your attention. Mindful of the body listening. The sounds, the silence... And in the midst of all of this, establishing an anchor of mindfulness, of attending and caring, in the body, breathing. Sensing the beginning of a breath, the place where an incoming breath. Turns to an outgoing breath, the ending of a breath that in a moment turns into a beginning. And seeing what it is to fully inhabit this body, this present moment. The moments, too, when your attention departs, it's drawn to something more predominant a sound, a thought sensation, bringing that same careful knowing, being able to return to this chosen anchor, this chosen place of calm abiding. stilling, calming, brightening. Moment to moment establishing this present moment recollection. Just mindful of where your attention is resting just now and the quality of that attending (coughs) bringing curiosity bringing carefulness.
1: So, good morning, everyone. Today is a day of encouraging and establishing calmness and steadiness of attentiveness. And as Christina was um, speaking about, uh, being aware while sitting, standing, walking, and lying down, The Buddha spoke about this, as he called this practice, evening out the postures, so that we are aware in whatever posture we find ourselves in, as well as in those times of transition. (laughs) Of transition. Mm -hmm. So, a um, sustaining of attentiveness and interest and curiosity throughout the day. It's a day of gathering strength, of resting and relaxing. And at the same time, how we begin a retreat really matters. So a sense of dedication and intentionality really guiding us throughout the day. Coming back to that question of why did I want to sign up for this retreat anyway? You know, To come back to that deep question within the heart few things about the day today. Uh, Eowyn will be here later on today. Aylwin who many of you know, um, is such a wonderful mindful movement teacher. She'll be here later this afternoon. And she's offering at 3 o'clock um, chair yoga. So if for any reason at all you don't want to go downstairs and you'd prefer to um, practice mindful movement in a chair... That's available to you. And then she'll have a session at 4: 15 uh, downstairs in the lower um, walking hall, for those of you who want to participate in that. And we'll talk about that a little bit later this afternoon, but just to just to let you know that even though Ailwyn isn't here right now, she is, she is coming later on. Knock Away and Rachel will also be offering a group for those of you who are either new to IMS or new to the practice. And if you see your name on the board, um, because we'll have names up, uh, to please um, go to that group in room M200 at 3 o'clock today. Resting and... um, and relaxing, and at the same time, um, perseverance and gathering your energy, beginning to slow down. You know? I mean, not in any kind of weird way, or awkward way, or self-conscious way. Releasing self-consciousness, over and over again releasing self-consciousness, releasing a sense of urgency, or a sense of, of inner pressure and allowing yourself to attune yourself more and more to the environment that we're in, where very little is expected of you. You Really what's expected is the uh, dedication to getting to know yourself better, and to um, intimacy, and to a heartfelt um, intentionality. That's really what's expected, but not much else. And so, so the attunement too, the environment that you're in, which is an environment of non-urgency and non-pressure. So just remember that when you're going through the day, because coming out of our everyday life into this environment, everyday life follows us, and there can be such a strong sense of I have to do, I have to become, I have to get, I have to get really quickly, you know, I should have gotten already, I have to let go, I have to, I have to, I have to, and letting go of the I, and letting go of the have to, and everything will be great. <laughs> Just those two instructions. <laughs> and allowing yourself to flow through the day with a kind of seamlessness. You know, a seamlessness where where one moment is not better than another moment. A non-hierarchy in terms of our interest and curiosity and attentiveness so the walking instruction so so simple we just flow out of this room and out of this posture sitting into the simplicity of the walking and the idea in the walking of course is to find a path for yourself where you can walk back and forth for 10 or 20 paces, something like that. And to find your own pace within the walking. You know, when you begin, you might want to walk more quickly. And um, as you attune yourself more to the environment, maybe you naturally slow down. Maybe you don't because of the physicality. You know, maybe your hips hurt. And so you need to walk more quickly, not a problem at all really to attune yourself to yourself and to the environment, to your own physicality and to the environment as well. So you might, as I say, want to want to walk more quickly when you begin. You might want to keep up that pace and also listening and then perhaps slowing down course in a corresponding way. And then it's okay in the walking meditation, as slow as you want to go is fine, but... Um, you know, it also, uh, you don't have to be ambitious with being so slow. You know, there can be a bit of a sense that the slower, the more sacred, the holier. And it's really just slow. It's just slow. It's just fast. It's just what it is. So find your own way into the walking in terms of the pace of it. It can help to go to the same place every time. You know, if you find a good walking place for yourself to go to the same place every time. And at the same time, um, fluidity and flexibility. You know, we're encouraging both steadiness and flexibility and fluidity. So in other words, what I'm getting to is you can't really claim a a walking space because somebody else might see it as their best walking space as well. So these things play out in the mind, you know, hardly ever... Is there any overt um, fighting about walking spaces? <laughs> but in the mind, <laughs> it's a whole other story. So to, um, to look for a space that's, that's good for you, certainly. And at the same time, you might need to find another space from time to time as well and let go. To be both deliberate and at the same time spacious. You know, caring, careful. And at the same time, easeful and relaxed and spacious. And in terms of the method, sometimes the best thing on the first day of a retreat is just the simplicity of the foot touching the floor. You know, we can like skim across the earth, not even ever settling or resting or grounding ourselves or or being where we actually are. And the simplicity of the foot touching the floor can be a miracle. You know, it's not baby practice. It's not beginner's practice. It's, it's beautiful to just touch the earth, touch the floor, the bottom of the foot touching the floor, and that being enough. Over and over again, enough. So I encourage you um, to practice with clarity and simplicity. Of course, you can every so often be aware of the whole body moving through space. You know, the sensation of the body moving through space. And then coming back to just the bottom of the foot touching the floor over and over again. So, um, oh, I want to be sure to ask if anyone. Uh, sends us a note to please sign that note, even if it's an opinion. um, It's good to take responsibility for um, our opinions. So please, um, please do sign all notes that you send us. Any questions about walking meditation practice? All right. So we'll have our cell phone liberation ceremony. And we're going to stay here. You know, generally you've been asked to um, wait until we leave when you leave the hall to wait until the teachers leave. But right now, um, not. We're going to all continue to sit here, and to ask you to come up, and for everyone to come up. And doesn't have to be single file. You know, can be can be clumps of you just coming up, and offering your phone or whatever else you might want to offer to the basket. Um, But really everyone, because you might not have anything physical, but you do have something that you want to let go of and offer for the entirety of the retreat. So for everyone to please come up and, and, um, and offer to the basket, and then you can just leave, go out the door, and begin your walking practice. Okay? Good. And we'll we'll ring the bell every so often and maybe we'll bow and, you know, all of that too. Okay? (laughs) All right. So, anybody or everyone? Thank you for listening.
0: To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit